Radio Drome. This is another Radio Drome special. I'm talking to Adam Black. Is it fair to say an up-and-coming comic artist? I mean, you've been doing this for a while, but is up-and-coming still what you are? Uh, you know, that's a good question. <laughs> sometimes I feel up-and-coming, sometimes I don't. How's that? Sometimes that's I fair. feel like I've been doing this forever. On the other token, you have a large body of work behind you, so that's why I wasn't quite sure what to call you. I, I, you know, a lot of people aren't quite sure what to call me, but that's okay. I, I kind of like living in that weird gray area. That's fine. Well, speaking of gray areas, tell people a little bit about your comics, because you are a true independent comic creator. You're not with Marvel, you're not with DC, you're not with Image or anything. You're a true independent comic creator. I'm going to venture that a lot of people have not heard of you because Marvel and DC control so much of the market. Probably, yeah. You know what, though? It was, uh, it, there, there was a time when, when I was bringing in more eyeballs on my webcomic than Marvel was selling X-Men titles, which is kind of fun. But, you know, if you would have gone back 20 years ago and told, you know, 20-something me that that would have been the case, I would have said hell no. But uh, it's interesting how things change. Uh, uh, my comic, yes. Uh, Locus is a comic about this girl, and uh, she's half human and she's half succubus. And depending on where you pick up reading it, she's either just getting started or she's got all sorts of things under her belt already. And it's – it's I, I grew up reading mythology, and she's kind of she's kind of like my my version of Hercules, I guess. A hyper violent, hyper sexual, hyper filthy version of Hercules. I don't know about hyper filthy, honestly. I I there's there's a lot of nudity in it. There's a lot of violence, but honestly, there's there's no more nudity in it than you would find in the old uh, uh, monster manual from the 80s, honestly. And and there's really no more uh, violence, no more blood than you'd find in like uh, like uh, the the old heavy metal movie. Really, it's it's all it it looks a lot a lot worse than it is. It's actually kind of tame. Well, now your art style is very much, and I mean this absolutely as a compliment, is very much a throwback to the. It reminds me a lot of the early '80s, 2000 ADs, or a lot. I see a lot of Mike Grell's influence there. Would that be fair? I, I, I grew up with Mike Grell, yeah. I grew up with uh, Warlord, actually. I was about 12, 13, I want to say, when I was uh, digging on Warlord a lot. What else, what else did he do? And later on, uh, Shaman's Tears, and uh, didn't he do a little bit of Green Arrow, too? I don't know. It's been uh, forever since I've read He, he did a little comics. bit, you know, like 75 straight issues without missing one. There you go. We'll he, see. He, he did a big run on Green Arrow, and then he had first comics, John Sable Freelance, which was arguably oh, one of the first realistic but very much an 80s answer. He was kind of like, what if The Punisher were done realistically? I see, I love Sable, but I could not get my hands on, on those comics. Uh, so I, I didn't get to read more than maybe three or four of them. All, all my favorite first comics, uh, it started with uh, Whisper. The ninja to this day is the ninja who wasn't a ninja, which was which was the best part, and and all that all that uh, uh, Stephen God bless Stephen Grant he's he's just just reading the newspaper and watching the news back in the mid late eighties, and he's putting two and two together. He's he 
predicted the Iran-Contra scandal in the Whisper comic years before it actually happened. And he, you could read the, uh, the letter columns in the back of those issues. Uh, just, just people just ripping him apart. Just like, how dare you say this about the United States? We would never do this. The CIA would never be this way. And every single fucking thing he wrote in Whisper about the CIA and the United States government absolutely came true about five years after he wrote it. A little less than that. If you go back to like John Sable, the character, you got to remember this is like 1982, 83 at the time. Vietnam's only seven, eight years. We're, you know, we're only a few years out of Vietnam. Was was the first comic book. Marvel and DC had not even really dealt with this. I mean, a little bit with the Punisher and whatnot, but they sort of glossed over Nam. John Sable was a Nam veteran who was damaged. And he went back to Nam before Stallone did to get the people that were left behind. That's some pretty adult stuff for comic books, you know? Yeah, see, I need to get my hands on some some little John Sable, I'll tell you. I, I, uh, I managed to... to uh find some old because uh i had to find some old grimjack and read that finally because i i kept getting locust fans sending me email saying you must be a grimjack fan and i was like no i'm never i never actually read that and so i stylistically I, kept... I can see where they're coming from yeah i can see a lot of grimjack influence which is even more amazing if you hadn't read grimjack the reason they were mentioning it was because of uh, not as much the art but because of, the, of of the story because in locust there's like there's there's 112 different worlds and dimensions that she ends up going through here and there and uh she she just got done the new series god slayer she just got done fighting this half human half spider girl and they they went uh, this fight ran across you know like six dimensions before it stopped and and so all the multi-dimensional stuff was what was what they they were uh referring it to me for and so i ended up finally reading the whole series and it's good stuff you you get sucked into that i i gotta say the the first couple of issues of grimjack i really wasn't i was like uh, this is kind of okay but but it takes a while for it to pick up which uh, locust is the same honestly the first three issues of locust if you can slog through those uh, you'll you'll enjoy the hell out of it, but it, it's and it's funny that Grimjack was kind of the same way. The first two or three issues weren't nearly as good as the rest of it. That's because those first couple issues weren't the first couple issues. Grimjack appeared first as a backup feature in the Star Slayer comic. So by the time you got to Grimjack number one, he'd already had seven or eight adventures and his origin. So really, when you start at Grimjack yeah. number one, you're not starting at the beginning of the story. Yeah, see, I haven't, I haven't had, I haven't got my hands on any Star Slayer. Yes, see, I need to, I, I dig Grell. He's, he's a fun guy. You read Shaman's Tears, so you have read some John Sable. He appeared in a three-issue arc of that. Remember when that thing in the sewers were eating, were eating homeless people? You know, I don't think I read that, that issue. It, it was, I, it was a three-issue arc, and it guest starred John Sable. I'm sorry, I missed that. That would have been cool. See, I got to get my hands up for that, for sure. I, I think IDW started reprinting the old. First and Pacific stuff four or five years ago, I think. I know I've got a couple of the first trades, but I've got all the original issues, so the trades didn't hold a huge allure to me. Oh, see, I, yeah, I got it. It would be nice to get some reprints. I I uh, donated to the uh, the the campaign. Uh, uh, Norm Brayfogle had a stroke and he can't draw anymore, and so they, they saw did that. this thing called called the Whisper Campaign, where you where they're reprinting all his uh, 
issues, all the issues that he drew of Whisper, and I, I jumped in and got some of that. So that should be coming hopefully by December. And that's where I know Norm Brayfogle from. Everybody else talks about his Batman years, and honestly, I, 99% of the Norm Brayfogle art I've ever seen in my life was his run on Whisper, which was amazing. He had a real nice movement with his with his art uh, there's a lot of i've got him saved on on my computer somewhere because i pull him up every now and then when somebody starts talking about marvel but i've got marvel oh my god they were they were using poser for a while one of these artists using like it's like he's tracing poser models into manga studio or something it's like and it, it just looks dead it just looks lifeless you know, I can't whereas, stand, whereas, yeah, I can't stand current Marvel art. Well, actually, not even current. When they went to that kind of big-eyed anime style in the early 2000s, it, oh, it just same. wasn't my, it wasn't my thing. There were some bad times. I mean, it might have even been the late 90s that that was actually happening. One of the things I want to talk to you about is you're obviously you're obviously a fan of the older stuff, same as I am. We were talking before the show. You were saying how Marvel and DC are kind of the nerfed <laughs> versions of comics. Explain that a little. They're 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 pop culture. And and it it's weird to see people on my Facebook feed on one hand will will talk about how much they love Batman and 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 the Guardians of the Galaxy. But then on the other hand they'll start putting down, you know, Justin Bieber and Nickelback and in my eyes they're the same thing. It's it's the same pop culture. I just and it's it's why I don't get into American superhero comics that and they, why, why bother? They're just going to reboot that shit, you know, in, in three years. What about when you do have a, like a true visionary take over something in Marvel or DC, like Mike Grell's run on green arrow or pre insanity, Frank Miller with what he did with daredevil, which you can't <laughs> deny that what he did with daredevil was so uncorporate that it changed the game. It was, it was good stuff. It was, but, um, you know, they, they always, they always reset back to zero and it's because they have to, it's because Marvel and DC, they're, they're publicly held companies. They have shareholders and any company that has a shareholder situation like that, they, they've got to deal with capitalism 101, which is you've got to show a profit every quarter. It doesn't matter if you made a billion dollars next quarter you better better make a billion and one and so they got to squeeze blood from every stone they can and so that's why they they make this big deal out of oh somebody's got a costume change or oh now this character's gay or oh now this character's dead or these two are married these two aren't married anymore it's just to to bump up the sales man just so they could make that quarter i marvel and dc they don't they don't make comics for the fans they make comics for shareholders did you did you see that leaked memo? Eh, maybe 2008, maybe 2010. No, maybe around 2010. That leaked memo from Time Warner that called the comic books themselves. They only referred to them as the properties. That right. what properties do we have that can be exploited in other media? So to to Time Warner, who owns DC Comics, Batman and you know the comic books are just the farm team for the later video games and TV series and movies and t-shirts and action figures and cos and cosplayers and all that that the comic books are the least important part of their comic books. Well, that's true. See, there's a there's a saying, there's an old saying and people you hear it all the time. 
professionals say it a lot. It's like they, they say there, there's no money in comics, and they're right. There's no money in comics if you're a gigantic bloated corporation that's got, you know, a, a stable of pencilers and inkers and, and writers and editors and, and continuity editors, and editors in chief and a legal team and, and, and mail room people. And, and you've got to have 401ks for a bunch of people. And, I, you know, there's, there's not a lot of money there. It, it's got to be spread too thin. A, a guy like me, there's plenty of money in comics for a guy like me. Because I'm just one guy. I do all the writing. I do all the art. I do all the publishing. And, and it's easier now. It's easier now than it was 20 years ago when I, when I first got started. Because I got, I got started making comics. Locus is just a rehash of a comic I made in uh, 1996. And it's because in 1995, I was, I, you know, I, was <laughs> I was following the formula. I was like, well, uh, you know, Marvel and DC, they, they, they split the writing and the art duties up, right? So I guess I better too. So I ended up working with writers and I got so tired of working with these writers for various reasons. And, you know, sometimes it was them, sometimes it was me, honestly. And so I finally said, you know, fuck this. I'm going to write, I'm going to be my own writer. And so uh, I made this comic and it did fairly well considering, you know, everybody and their brother making little black and white comics in the 90s. I forgot where I was going with this. Because now I got thinking about that. Let me see if I can put you back on track. Now, see, you say it's easier now than it was in the 90s. It's and so much easier. from some of the comic professionals I've spoken to, they say it's more difficult now in the age <laughs> of the Internet. They say, you know, I remember speaking to Joseph Linsner and Stephen Bissett and people like that, that it was so much easier back then than it is now. So I wonder what the dichotomy is between you finding it easier now and them finding it more difficult in the internet age. Linsner, I I don't know Linsner personally. I want to say I am a big fan of his uh, his stuff. He he's about a year older than me, and art wise, he's about ten years older than me. He was way ahead of me at the time. I uh, we I picked up the very first Don Cry for Don, which was what eighty seven, eighty nine, something like that, and it just it blew my it blew my mind it was he's a beautiful artwork very beautiful artwork they had this, this neat sort of it, it was it was like he was trying to to revive old ec horror only with with newer modern more modern stories and more oh, modern he, art. He, he, he and monks made that clear did you ever see the home video that they put out in 92 no yeah it's a it's really rare tape and for legal reasons after they broke up it'll probably never come to dvd he, he said right in that Cry for Dawn video that that's what his influences were, the EC comics. But he said the comic books at the time, the horror comics, they were all vampires and zombies. I guess the zombie thing is cyclical because it's zombies all over again now. But you know what I mean. And he's like, they yeah. were so boring. They were done yes. in such a boring way. And what he and Monks tried to do really revitalized that. And like a, a personal friend in her mind is Hart Fisher. He brought horror to a whole different level with Boneyard Absolutely. Press. Absolutely, I love Boneyard Comics. It it was right about the same time as uh, that uh, that uh, Faust came out. It was it was a good time to be late teens, early twenties uh, back then. It really was. It was a good time. To, I bought to Faust some, number uh, one off the shelf from some comic book store in the area that probably doesn't exist anymore. I bought that when I was like fourteen, and you know that Faust comic absolutely speaks to a fourteen-year-old boy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, see, I see. I didn't, I didn't see it until I was about nineteen, but it hit me about the same way. And and uh, that that also has a big influence on Locus, really. Uh, just just that that just sort of gritty, just 
I don't like to use the word. I shouldn't use the word gritty. That was so overused back then. I Tim Vigil V Hill. I don't know how to pronounce his name properly. Uh, his his art was amazing. It was just it was just dirty. It was just dirty in the best ways it could be. The, I just just the the techniques, just the way he rendered his figures. You know the the proportions of his figures, and you know what they were all doing to and with each other. It was just it was dirty on every level, and I just. Loved I believe that that those guys, I won't say they reinvented it, but Faust was something that stuck out in the, in a good way. So much from everything, because they predated Cry for Dawn, so you didn't have Linsner in that out there yet. The Faust yeah. stuff just stuck out so much from everything else on the shelf. They were so different. They really, yeah. graphicness, they were very late 80s, but the style was very much that early 80s Pacific stuff. Although Absolutely. in black and white, and and that and that standout thing, I I I think that's that's why guys guys like Linsner think it's it's more difficult now than it was back then because I think it was easier for guys like him to stand out because now there's just there's so many uh you know I mean <clears throat> it's it's a it's a huge market now especially with with web comics everybody and their brothers making comics now and I honestly think that's a good idea I think that's a good thing <clears throat> I think it's easier now than it was back then for the simple reason that around 1990. 495 before I actually started working with a publisher I wanted to self-publish my own comics and the only way to do that back then was to find some local printer who at and my my local printer was so uh, you know I've, I'm in like podunk North Idaho doing this okay and because I was raised by you know wolves and dingoes and shit up there in uh, Coeur d'Alene there was one printer in Coeur d'Alene and he would he he said uh, the minimum print run was going to be 3,000 copies on shitty 40-pound newsprint, black and white, with like a two or three colors on the cover. I, uh, it was, it was. I, I sat down, I did the math, and it was, it was a fucking nightmare. It was just an absolute nightmare. And I, there, there was no way. I was realistically looking at this, going, I got to buy 3,000 of these things, and then I've got to, you know, sell off at least the first. 12 to 1500 just to make the money back and then you know the 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 remaining 1500 or so was going to actually be pure profit but am i really going to sell yeah am i really going to sell 3000 copies you know i i got i got two kids you know i got a wife and two kids i i don't need to be sinking a bunch of money in comics i'm not sure going to sell nowadays <laughs> you know, and and back then, I mean, you you had to get in diamond, you had to get in previews, you had to kiss a lot of ass. Nowadays, I, pff, it's all print on demand. Nowadays, I draw my comics, uh, I I pencil and ink, uh, uh, old school, and then I scan in the computer. I do coloring and lettering in Photoshop, and oh my God, lettering in Photoshop is I, I used to my hand hurt so bad when I used to hand letter back then. Now it's all you know on the on the computer, and is and it essentially beautiful. typing? Yeah. Oh, it's great. And then, then if you want to move stuff around, if you want to, you know, you can change your mind. It's like, oh, I should have made that like bold italics. Well, back then, you know, you had to get the white out. You had to wait for it to dry, and you had to hope you didn't push too hard with the B6 nib because then it would, it would push through the white out. You just end up with a fucking mess all over your. You know, now, now I, I can move the word balloons around. I can resize. Oh, it's a, it's just, it's like candy. It is so much easier now than it was 20 years ago. And, and I don't have to do a minimum order. I don't have to print up a minimum nothing. I just it's all print on demand now, man. I just I upload the files to Kablam and and they give me a link. It's like here's where we're put it up for sale and I put the link over my website and I I don't have to worry about minimum orders. I don't have to worry about shipping. I don't have to worry about any of that crap. I just get to make comics. It's glorious. 
okay, you're making the comics, but do you think it's more difficult to market them? St- Stephen Bissett told me that back when he was doing, remember Taboo? Vaguely. Uh, the, uh, he also had Spider Baby comics, which was like his own his own publishing imprint. His stuff was so adult. You know, Hart Fisher ran into the same problem with Boneyard. Previews wouldn't take it. Comic stores wouldn't take it. I mean, Taboo was was an under-the-counter comic. Or, good God, Verotic. Do you mm-hmm. remember a comic store that carried the Verotic line on the shelf? No, Verotic, no. all their stuff was under the shelf and you had to ask for it, which is almost impossible to sell to somebody who's not already looking for that. In that aspect, I think the Internet's made it easier. I don't think you have as many people that are interested in the indie stuff anymore. I, that that depends. I, I think a, a lot of problem. Well, I and I'm totally armchair quarterbacking these these fine people who are are way more successful and talented than I am. But I think honestly, if if Mr. Bissett and and Mr. Linsner need a little more uh, uh, free advertising, they really need to think about putting some up in web comic form. Honestly, because people love web comics. I've I've got a I've got a Locust fan who told me that Locus is one of like 52 web comics he reads, you know, and I've got another guy who uh, he's like, I only read about a dozen web comics, but you're in my top three. And, and, and I just, there's, there's a whole market of, honestly, there's a whole market of, of, of young men in their, in their twenties and thirties who are it professionals, system administrators, guys who just sit at work all day and, and try to look busy and, and, until the you know until the network breaks down and the CEO has has a fit and so what do these guys do they read web comics and these guys because they work in IT have a lot of money and they order print comics they uh, order original artwork from me they do I do custom commissions for them no it's it's a lot easier than it was 20 years ago it's so much easier. I just I right now Locus uh, feeds myself my wife my dog my cat and my snake. It's my sole means of income at this point. It's amazing. Do you think that because you you and I talked uh, before the show and privately about how much you like the early stuff, the, the early 80s independent comics, do you think – now, I'm not talking art style, but the style of an independent comic, say, from Pacific, which was the first real independent of the modern era, Pacific comics when they started in 1980 – do you think that that is any different than the independent stuff coming out today? Or is it kind of the same cowboy, you know, in the wasteland, fuck you attitude, just in a different medium? I, I honestly don't know that you can you can nail it down nowadays. There's The, the, the playing field is so wide open. I mean, there's there's no more gatekeepers. I mean, everybody's bitching about about Diamond and, and how, you know, Diamond is, is uh, uh, stifling other titles and giving more... You know, to because Diamond's pretty much owned by Marvel. Last I checked, aren't they? I think I think Marvel wholly bought them in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, and I it's 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 like it's like Hollywood. Hollywood are are these dinosaurs gatekeepers. You don't need a you don't need you don't need Hollywood to put yourself on screen anymore because now you've got YouTube. You know, you don't you don't need to write for a newspaper because now you've got Twitter. You don't need to to even do like like local cable access TV now because now you've got Facebook. I just all all the gatekeepers are gone now. Well, they're still around, squeezing you know what they can, holding on with their you know old fingernails, trying not to you know go extinct. But it's just a matter of time, really. I think though you're right. The gatekeepers are gone, and this is going to sound very snobbish of me, but in a way, you needed some gatekeepers. You know, yes, YouTube opened up, you know, video to everybody. 
but 90% of it is absolute trash. 90% of it is stuff that if there were a gatekeeper would never have gotten out there and cluttering the market. See, to me, I see the market as so cluttered with crap that you have to fight so hard to find a good comic. Yes, it makes it makes it that much more worthwhile, but you're so disheveled. Like Harlan Ellison has this amazing quote. This is, was his quote about working in television in the 70s and 80s. Working in television is like climbing a mountain of manure to get the one single rose at the top and then finding out you've lost your sense of smell. <laughs> and well, that, that a, to Harlan's me, a grumpy old man, though. It's a great quote, though. And I think it applies <laughs> to the – I mean, I, I look. I want to find a great independent comic out there. 99% of what I pick up, I go, this is fucking terrible. This would have never been printed at, you know, by First or Epic or uh, – First or Eclipse or Epic or Pacific or anything like that. Even Air Cell, which was sort of the independent independent, wouldn't have allowed this stuff. And it's like, yes, you're out there making your vision, but your vision's crap. So to me, as snobbish as it sounds, you kind of do need gatekeepers. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's an ecosystem. I mean, comics. We we get back to uh, there's there's no money there's no money in comics. Uh, uh, when you, when you think of the comic scene industry i don't know what do you want to call it when we think of the comics in general as as an ecosystem you've got a bunch of these little fish swimming around like myself and then you've got these huge bloated whales like you know marvel and and dc so, you know trying to suck all this stuff up and and i just there's there's plenty there's plenty of room for everybody honestly and it it'll all work itself out. I mean these these guys who there are there are some terrible web comics and and eventually those terrible web comics will die. I mean that that that's just natural. There's natural selection in this ecosystem, you know. I mean, we're we're all we're all fighting for the same food source, and that food source is is paying readers, basically. You know, these these guys, you, you get a lot of these crap comics, and and, you know, that, and the guys who make them, they know they're crap. They're just kind of you know having fun on their day off or whatever. And eventually, these web comic guys, a lot of them end up going on hiatus or or just get bored or what that. All that stuff, I don't think you need to gatekeepers. So I think all that stuff, it, it works itself out. It's it's like any other ecosystem. Of a, a lot, a lot of new life forms end up going extinct. So would would you say that what what like we're talking about right here is sort of the same thing that happened after TMNT came out? Remember the independent black and white comic boom, and probably eighty five percent of it was garbage for between eight maybe eighty six to eighty nine. Most of that was garbage. Yeah, most of I mean, you know, you you get that that one thing, and everybody else tries to imitate it, and and you know the the, the readers know the readers. You, you cannot fool readers. You cannot fool them. You cannot pass well unless you're Marvel and DC. You've got a huge advertising budget, and you get them while they're young, basically. The main reason people like Marvel and DC and 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 Disney movies and things is not because they're so magical. It's because they got you when you were young. Because that's that's how the human ape works. That's how most mammals work. From for for humans from birth to about the age of ten. Pretty much everything that happens to you, you chisel on the back of your skull as this is a normal part of life. This is this belongs in my life. This is normal. This is right. Again, my Facebook feed, a lot of people is like, I'm a Batman fan, but I'm really sick of this latest story. Or I'm a Wolverine fan, but they haven't written a good Wolverine comic in 20 years. Like, you're not you're not a Wolverine fan. You're not a Batman fan. You just have fond childhood memories. It was crap back then, too. You were just a kid. You didn't know any better. It, it, it all depends on who the writer is, really. Really, even more than the artist, because like 
Wolverine. Yeah, there's a lot of crap stories. Look at the Frank Miller, Chris Claremont stuff. Amazing. You know, you, you look at certain runs and you can go, that is an amazing run of what is normally a crappy character. There so are, it, there I, are I, exceptions. I, there the are exceptions, yeah. I just I don't I don't agree that that it's they were always crap because a lot of these weren't like like Electra I can't stand that character go read the Frank Miller Bill Sienkiewicz Electra Assassin and you go wow is that fucking amazing how the hell did it go from that to whatever the hell Electra is now because because they had to reset it to please the shareholders that that's how that goes man but I just you know that that stuff it all it all it all works itself out. You, you cannot fool the readers, and and that's why there's there's a lot of crap out nowadays. Sure, but that's all gonna you know that's that, that that's all gonna equalize. That's all gonna even out. You know the the good stuff's gonna survive, and and most of the crap's gonna go away. Do you think that there's so. a corruption angle in it? And I don't mean corruption like stealing money or anything. I mean corruption like corrupting of ideals. Look at like Dark Horse when they started. The first five years of Dark Horse were so amazing. They were a true independent publisher that could rival Marvel and DC. And then they started getting bogged down with all the licensed stuff, Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Godzilla and RoboCop and Buffy and all this. And it really came out to that's all they cared about was the licensed stuff. They got so big, they forgot where they came from. So do you think there's a corruption angle as well? I think that uh, growth and decay, it's, it's an exponential curve, not a linear curve, really. And, and that's, that's true for, for comics. It's true for life. It's true for biology. It's true for everything. And, you know, and especially when, when you gotta, when you gotta pay the bills and Dark Horse has got to pay the bills. I mean, they, they gotta, they gotta pay. They're, you know, they're, they're another company. They've got, they've got a stable of writers and a stable of artists and, and, you know, people in the mailroom and the stable editors and you know they've, they've got to keep the money flowing and so of course they're gonna you know latch onto the money making stuff and ride it as long as they can you know, what, what can you do what can you do i, I uh, just I, I see i get mad when i see these the publishers that are still around and i just see that they don't even resemble what they used to be as as a confirmed grump and snob that hurts me well i was a little sad that the new first publishing isn't even remotely what the old first publishing used to be it's just it's not and i was real excited i was real excited when when i heard that first publishing was back in business i was like oh my god that sounds so good and then it's like you guys are not this isn't these aren't first comics they're no, not they're it's just, the same as everything else yeah it's and you know we're we're in that time period we're in that time we're we're still in the the infancy and the youth of this no gatekeepers for the comic industry time period really so again that's all gonna even out it's all gonna you know the the good stuff will last and hopefully the crap will go away so well you know and i i say this all the time uh and the 90s kids will get it i'm not a 90s kid but i raised 90s kids there were all these amazing absolutely amazing cartoons in the 90s that were so much fun there was there was reboot there was courage the cowardly dog there was eat the cat there, there were all these. Uh, there was Batman the Animated Series, which, as much as I put down the corporate comics, that that was a decent cartoon. And I, out of all those things, even the non-comic kid shows like like uh, you can't do that on television. The Adventures of Pete and Pete. My kids love that show. I loved it too. Out of all that stuff, the only kid show to survive the '90s is fucking SpongeBob. 
And SpongeBob was the worst of them all back then. So, I mean, there, there's here I'm talking about how the, you know, the cream rises at the top and the shit will end up dying, but there's there's exceptions to the rule, really. I mean, I I would I would give my left nut for some more uh, uh courage cowardly dog or Eek the cat or or Ed Ed Nettie. I mean, there was a lot it, it was fun watching cartoons with my kids in the 90s and now it's like SpongeBob. Do do you think the same thing is kind of happening with comic publishers that everything is so homogenized within the industry? Do you think there's any true innovation out there? Cuz I would say 2000 AD is still putting out a lot of really innovative stuff. I'm hoping when Grant Morrison takes over Heavy Metal next month that he he has said that he is going to bring heavy metal, and I quote, back to its punk rock roots. And I think if he's able to do that, he can make heavy metal really something special again. Do you think those are the exception, or is everything – do you think every, most people are just happy to be noticed? Like, hey, hey, you, they, they noticed me. They noticed me instead of why they noticed you. I, You know, it goes back to that pop culture thing again. People, people are letting Marvel and DC shape their, their opinion and their definition of what a comic book should be and you you shouldn't do that any more than you should let Nickelback shape what what you think music should be. I mean, if you're a Nickelback fan that's fine, but I there's there's so much more to life than Nickelback and there's so much more to life than than the Guardians of the Galaxy and and the Avengers and the Fantastic Four. Everybody's like bitching about the Fantastic Four movies, of course. Of course they're crap. It's it's Fantastic Four were always the poppiest of the pop culture really i just you know it's like it's like complaining about you know the the new madonna albums aren't as good as the old madonna albums i mean it's pop it's all pop it's just it's not meant to be good it's meant to make money that's that's it that's all it's there for it's not meant to be good on a corporate level but i i would like to think that the people making these things the writers and the artists really want to put out a good product because yeah dc might decide that batwoman's going to do this and superman's going to have this happen but i would like to think that the writers and artists would go okay if i have to do this i'm going to make it really good you know and and, until the editor you know the 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 editor and the continuity editor and the editor-in-chief and all the other editors end up coming down and you say no you can't that sorry you know, then you've got to have like your plan B or whatever. I mean, I I can't say I know exactly how how things work in the Marvel and DC offices, and I honestly I don't care to know. It's it's I you know I still have friends and families who are like, oh, you're getting so good at that now. Why not, why aren't you working at Marvel? It's like because I don't want to. Thanks, because I'm having too much fun doing my own thing. Really, it's just you, you can't you can't do this at Marvel. You can't make Locust comics at Marvel. You can't have Locus pull her shirt off and 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 tell somebody to go fuck themselves and then cut their head off with her magic sword. You just, you can't do that. And I I just I don't want to. I don't want to give that up yet. But I don't know what was you now I'm rambling. What was your question? My question was do do you think that there's innovation out there anymore like 2000 AD and heavy metal? Well, hopefully with heavy metal we haven't seen what Grant Morrison's going to do, but I think if anybody can turn heavy metal around, it's probably going to be Grant Morrison. I hope so. I, I have high hopes for that. I really do. I No, there's always innovation. There's always innovation. The problem is making sure it doesn't get buried by mediocrity. And that's the same with the comics. It's the same with music. It's the same with television. It's the same with movies. It's the same with everything. In novels. You know, I mean, do we really need another Twilight novel? No. There's there's so much better novels being written right now that people are just just 
passing over to go to the bestseller list, you know, because it's, it's, it's the human ape again. It's monkey see, monkey do. Everybody likes to like what everybody else already likes because nobody likes to be alone. Nobody likes to be too different. Everybody likes to say they're different, but everybody likes to be different in the same way altogether. And the same thing happened to rock and roll. I mean, we went, we went from, uh, you know, we went from Led Zeppelin to, to poison and, and nubs enough. It's, it's the exponential decay again. I mean, hip hop, we went, we went from, uh, from X clan and, and ice T to Kanye West, you know, it's just, it's exponential decay as, as, especially as, as soon as the, as soon as the gatekeepers get in there and start wanting to turn a profit, you know, it all, it goes to shit. It just, it turns, it just turns to shit. And it's the same with, it's the same with the comics. And those of you who are angry at Marvel and DC right now and have been angry at Marvel and DC because they haven't written a decent, whatever your favorite comic is in the last whatever years you've been reading it, just read something else. Just let them go. Then let me ask you this, and it's kind of a loaded question, so I'm not trying to give you a setup. Do you think that if that you would, and by sellout, I don't mean sellout, I mean sell your property of Locus and whatnot. If, say, all of a sudden Dark Horse came to you and said, we want to publish Locus, and we want to get, you know look for movie rights, and we want to see if 20th Century Fox is interested, maybe New Line wants to make a cartoon out of it, would you do it, or would you be that, fuck you, no, I'm, I'm staying independent? You know, it depends on the contract, really. I mean, I've, I've done... I've, I've done my work for hire. I've I've done that. I I did uh, I did the Kiss comic back in 2007 2008. And it was a good experience, and I enjoyed it. I had a good time, but that was uh, yet nothing. <laughs> they they made a calendar. Uh, they made the Kiss 4K calendar. I think there were about 14 pieces of art in it. I want to say nine or ten of them were mine. And my dad calls me up, just so excited. He's like, "Oh my God, how much money are you get?" He's like, "Dad, you don't understand what a work for hire contract is, do you? I'm not getting paid jack shit for that." He's like, "What?" He's all bad and furious. Like, "Dad, it's work for hire, Dad. That's what it is." And so it depends on the contract. I I will never ever ever for any amount of money or for any amount of exposure for any amount of movie tie-ins or, or merchandising i will never give up the intellectual property of locust now if dark horse or whoever comes to me one day and says we'd like to be your publisher i would give i would have a contract that would specify you have publishing rights that's it if somebody wants to make a movie i really doubt it's going to go through hollywood because hollywood wants to buy the whole thing because then they want to do the merchandising then they want to tell you oh hey yeah we'll we'll pay you a percentage of the profits of the film but of course no hollywood movie ever turns a profit because of hollywood bookkeeping could you see locus as an hbo animated series absolutely but it depends on the contract if i'm signing away the intellectual property no it's not going to happen i have friends in canada i have fans in canada as well, I have friends and fans in Canada because all my fans are friends. It's great. I love it. I, I have friends who uh, who make films. If there's ever a Locust movie, if there's ever a live action or an animated thing, it's probably going to be independently done through through some Canadian outfit because they're not going to yank my intellectual property away from me. And it's it'll be it's you know it's it stays with me. Somebody wants to make a cartoon. Somebody wants to make a line of T-shirts. Get in touch with me. I'm easy to get in touch with. But if your contract involves me signing away the intellectual property to you, the answer is automatically and always no. Well, now to finish up, tell people a little bit about not just where they can find you and your work, but why they should seek you out. All the comics are up at locustcomics.com. And you should read them bottom to top because I, I – 
well, when you see the website, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. But uh, Locust was first, and then Silk and Honey, and now uh, God Slayer is, is the new one. If you are looking for, if you're the kind of person who likes to read stories that aren't dumbed down for the masses, aren't dumbed down for all audiences, if you don't mind a strong, independent, and this, this shit gets over you, these terms get over you so bad, I'm sorry I'm using them, a strong, independent female character, doesn't take no shit from anybody, but he's actually very realistic. And uh, I've got I've got female fans from high school age well into their 60s. And one girl uh, sent me an email once and thanked me for helping her get through high school and all that. Anyway, the tagline is boobs, blood, and bad language. But uh, my friend Raven, he said that, that that short sells it. He said there's more to it than that. If you're looking for stories that are involved, if you're looking for <clears throat> sort of a new mythology – while while still kind of feels like old mythology, I think Locus is your thing. If you liked old heavy metal magazine, if you liked old uh, EC comics, I think Locus would be your thing. If you liked old uh, Doctor Strange from the 60s and the independent stuff, if you liked the heavy metal movie, I think you would like Locus. You know, give it a try. If you like it, great. If you don't, thanks for looking. That's 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 usually that's usually my thing. I I got an email. I I get emails. Usually from people saying they like it. I got an email once from a guy who said he absolutely hated it. And, and my response to people don't like it is, thanks for looking. You know, maybe if you tell me what you're looking for, I can help you find what, what you do like. And, you know, if you read my comic, you absolutely hate it. Tell me why you hate it. Tell me what you wanted it to be. And if I know somebody who makes a comic like that, I'll, I'll email you the link and you can be happy. Because that's, that's what life's all about, being happy. That's a perfect way to put it. Guys, you should really go and check out Silk and Honey and Locust. And patronize the independents. Stay away from the corporate. That should be Absolutely. the mantra you live by. They don't need any more of your money. They don't. I do.
But there's just one problem. Is my cock big enough? Is my brain small enough for you to make me a star? Give me a toot, I'll sell you my soul. Pull my strings and I'll go far. Give me a toot, I'll show you my soul. Pull my strings and I'll go far. Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.